inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining a new episode of Time to Shine. And today we'll hear many stories and also about the art of storytelling from a super interesting guest. Let me introduce you Steve Donofrio. He is a former non-commissioned officer and CEO in the U.S. Army with deployments to Iraq and Kuwait for the first Gulf War, as well as other real war missions. As an international motivational speaker and leadership trainer, Steve utilizes his 20 years of speaking and training to help leaders move things to dawn. Steve is passionate about helping leaders unite people in harmony and move them into action. He believes that the true measure of a leader is defined within the actions and accomplishments of those they inspire. He is the lead author of the book Mama Manual, and former contributing writer for Japan's leading professional security journal, Security Research Magazine. Steve has appeared and spoken live and virtual as a subject matter expert on local, regional, and national media platforms on three different continents. Hello, Steve. Hi, Oscar. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here on Time to Shine. My pleasure. It's a pleasure having you, Steve. Definitely, I'm sure you have super interesting stories, but the first story we'd like to hear is how you became a speaker. It's a funny question. It's by default or by accident, I guess you might <laughs> say. So I was involved as a, a youth pastor and I did youth work for many, many years. So I spoke uh, to groups, conferences and events. I was a trainer. I did trainings. I lived in Japan for 15 years and ran a business. It wasn't until 2015 when I came back to America and figured out, what am I doing now? And someone says, be a speaker. I didn't even know there was an industry mm. <laughs> for speaking. So it was kind of like I fell into the industry. Even though I had been speaking and training a large part of my life, I didn't know what it was like to be a professional speaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So a great part of your of your journey before becoming a professional speaker has been a trainer, right? Tell me a bit that that role that you have this non-commissioned officer, how it relates to training. How is training in that uh, in that aspect? I think at that le that level of leadership, that's kind of that middle level of leadership in the armed forces. Mm -hmm. And so like any middle level manager, you're kind of stuck in between the top and the bottom. And so your mm -hmm. role really is to not only motivate and inspire, mm -hmm. but to equip. And I think it's one of the most important roles in any organization there is, is that middle management piece, because you truly are uh, the one people or the person who actually can inspire change in an organization. Mm -hmm. People follow people. Yes. And because you work so closely in one-to-one, -one, that middle level management actually has the most power and influence. So I really enjoy training that group of people as well and being part of that group because they, I believe, have the most impact in an organization's mission and purpose. Yeah, yeah. Working very closely to the big number of people we have been, I'm sure, working with in all these years. Tell us about storytelling. So story why is storytelling is important today? 
I think storytelling is just as important as, as it's always been. We have, our society exists. The things we have, uh, even before writing and technology came to be, information, and that there are still some cultures today that simply pass down information through stories. We educate our children with stories. We grow up with bedtime stories from generation to generation for thousands of years. We have learned and taught and maintained our culture through stories. Nothing's really changed. Sometimes we forget the importance of these stories and how even today our societies are built upon stories that were told from one generation to the next, shared in multiple ways in one format. A simple story. In fact, in speaking, I think the most powerful words ever are simply once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, actually, th those those few words, every time you hear them, it's like, uh, I know that's a special reaction in, in, in people when you hear mm. the, those words. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Storytelling is super, super important. Um, I don't know if there is a way of communicating that bit storytelling to to inspire and to to communicate effectively, regardless how things have changed, right? Many people, yes. we are um, used to speaking, uh, co well, communicate, normally communicate, more more written, very short text, uh, emojis, and yeah, this all the time, but storytelling is a much more effective way Please tell us, um, of course, m most of us consciously or unconsciously we use stories to communicate. But of course, there are better ways than others to well, you tell us what you think about that, but there are more effective ways to to do that. So if if you can start telling me what are the top mistakes or the mistakes that come to your mind when you see people telling stories today? Yeah, I can. I think a lot of times too, it's hard to make a mistake with a good story. Um, however, mistake number one is we try too hard. We try to force stories into narratives where they don't fit. Mm -hmm. uh, we're trying a lot of times. People try to put a story in where one isn't needed because they think they have to have a story for every point, mm. or they think they have to force a story to tell or to educate. And sometimes stories don't fit. So mm -hmm. I think the number one mistake is forcing stories into places where they're not necessary. Where brevity is easiest, a story might not be needed. The second mistake is people have come to the point to believe that stories must be about them personally. It must be their personal story to have mm -hmm. value or relevance. So we often just end up talking about ourselves. I think I come from an old school style of storytelling where it really isn't about the person telling the story. It's connecting any story to a situation, to a principle or a point to be taught. Regardless of your uh, religious affiliations or your beliefs, one of the greatest storytellers of all time uh, was Jesus from the Bible. And if you look at his method of storytelling, no, he, he never answered a question without telling a story. But they weren't his stories. They weren't about him. They were parables. They were antidotes. They were variety of different stories. They were telling a story from an Old Testament. They were making up a parable. Mm 
there are so many fables and parables and children's stories that exist today that are so incredibly powerful that sometimes using one of those is the most powerful thing we can do. So mistake number two would be making the story always a personal story, Mm -hmm. always making it about the speaker. When that may not be the best choice, it may not be the best place to put a story. So number Mm -hmm. one mistake is forcing a story where it's not needed. Number two is making it only about you. A mistake number three in connection with number two would be thinking your story only has to be about you all the time. That for some reason, if you don't have some uh, amazing story, you didn't climb a mountain, you didn't do Mm -hmm. something amazing that your stories don't matter. But the reality is every day you do things or hear things. You have life experiences that can connect to other people. It's being aware of those little things. And then how do you teach lessons from your own lifestyle? What are the lessons learned from your daily life? Sometimes we forget to look at little things and understand that our audience is human. And they can connect better with small little things that will make them laugh and smile. And then you can connect that story. The small things sometimes connect deeper than the big grandiose I climbed the Mount Everest in a pair mm. of shorts and a t-shirt kind of thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's the little things you did. It's the, um, I put my teacup in the microwave without any water in it. It's the, and it's people laugh and go, wait, I've done that. <laughs> yes, of course. we have. And so why do we do that? And then we talk about it and then we connect it to a principle or a point in a teaching moment. People can relate to some of these mistakes. A mistake about storytelling is not to, be vulnerable with your mistakes. Sometimes our mistakes are the greatest stories because they can actually connect. It's, it's scary to let people know your bad side or weak side, or we always want to talk about our successes, but sometimes sharing a few mistakes along the way doesn't hurt. Along with that mistake of not telling mistakes is overdoing it, only telling of your failures, glorifying failures, glorifying faults. We don't want to do that. These happen, but the idea is we became better. So we don't glorify the mistake or the failure or the fall. We bring it up as a quick point. This happened and here's how I overcame it. The key, the key of the story is the overcoming piece. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the final mistake is not understanding narrative arcs and how they work. The narrative arc of a story is where does the story take it? Where does the story start? Who is the protagonist of our story? Who's our heroes and heroines? Most of the time, how do you draw the listener in to make them part of that story to connect? So a failure to understand how narrative arcs work in storytelling Mm -hmm. often helps, often causes us to miss some vital key areas. If you think about what's called the Cinderella arc in storytelling, it's the story of, of course, Cinderella herself. Uh, We know that Cinderella starts off with a poor little girl. So she's in the bottom of the arc. Woe is her. Life is awful. She has terrible stepmothers and stepsisters and life is awful. The prince comes, invites people to a ball. She can't go. Fairy godmother comes. Life is looking good. Uh, She gets a new dress. She goes to the ball. She dances. It turns midnight. All the thing falls apart. The arc collapses. We're back at the bottom. Prince comes, finds her. The slipper fits. Yay, we live happy ever after the arc goes back up. How does your narrative arc go? Where does it start? Where does it end? Understanding that is important. So failing to understand that would be the final mistake. I think those are kind of the 
the, the big mistakes that people make um, in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very, very interesting point. You said first um, trying to fit a story when well, it's not needed, first of all. And, and I think this is when someone has heard with good reason that storytelling is good, so let's use storytelling, but yeah, it's going yeah, it's going too much. Trying to use too much storytelling, as you say in the in the when it's not needed. Second is also yeah, it sounds very natural, the second one. When you, you said that people tend to tell stories on, only about themselves. Um yeah. Often ha happened to me. Say I want to think of a story for one presentation from some point and And the first thing come to my mind is okay, what have done in this? But um, yeah, not always. I need a personal story. Um, and the last one you just said is about the the arc of storytelling. No, this is more understanding, and I hope you tell us a bit more about that. But yeah, this is understanding that storylines of of the or oh, the typical story that some elements are required there. Because a good story, so there might be a good story that you just have something that happened to you, but the way you say it might not be so effective if you don't you don't make in this arc storytelling that you mentioned. So yeah, excellent points. If you can tell us maybe in that now you can expand more how to craft those stories based if I have a something happened to my life, how I Uh, craft that story in a way that is is as effective as Cinderella or a similar story that has all the all the faces, all the elements needed. Could you tell us uh, a bit more your approach to storytelling? I think I I really and I, I go back to my approach. I think maybe because it's my background uh, in ministry, but my approach to storytelling often models or looks a lot like the Jesus approach to storytelling is find parables, anecdotes. Mm -hmm. And other things that connect to principles and points. I love parables. I love children's stories that have, that share a key lesson to a child. So my approach to storytelling is: what can we learn from life around us, and what can we learn from old old stories, especially the area of the parables, the fables mm -hmm. of ancient times, and the old school stories are my favorite. So I love to tell stories that are one entertaining but then tell a point at the end and again it may not a lot of times i don't tell stories about me if mm -hmm. i do it's a story that's connected to a certain topic um, maybe an example of when i tried something it worked or didn't work but a lot of times just for me for storytelling i love the approach of using pieces of and or all of a children's story or a parable. I love the idea of teaching uh, from a parable point of view. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite practices. I think they're easy to remember, especially if it's a parable that someone has grown up with as a child. Mm. Now they're going to look at that parable or children's story with a whole new lens. As an adult, they can draw more wisdom out of it or they can apply it to their life, but it's something they've heard growing up. It's not new information. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's a whole new way to look at the story. Yes. Mm -hmm. So for that, yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Uh, that's something that, yeah, I don't do it so much, and, and I don't I haven't heard so many people do that. But tell us how to find those um, 
well, books of stories. So, for instance, would you got some recommendation? Well, there are some these fables that is are for children. Some of the uh, religious books, of course. And what else could we explore? Trying to look for the, those stories. Some recommendations. I would. I, I. I do. Like for example, I just do a search for famous children's story, uh -huh. uh, ancient parables, mm -hmm. most pop, and I would search country by country, because sometimes mm -hmm. you can find gold gems in in a, in a parable from an ancient culture from India, Africa, mm. yes. that to them is common sense, but to somebody else in America or Europe, we might have never heard of this story. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like to look up popular children's stories, Aesop's fables. And go through some of the things that maybe not many people know about. But when you let, when you start to read these stories and look at them, you're also able to learn about narrative arcs. And then you can apply these principles of that storytelling into maybe your own personal story. As you go through life every day, you can find something and say, wait a minute. <laughs> I can see where this story can of my own life, my own experience, can now be set up in a story format. Um, We don't have to have, you know, we're going to, I mean, we're going in this next question. We talk about people say, I don't have an extraordinary story. If it's your story, it's extraordinary <laughs> because it's yours. Yeah, I think that's a common question, right? Uh, okay, but I have not, as you say, I have not climbed the, <laughs> the Everest yep. or have done like a, a hazardous experience, uh, that life or death experience, this, this kind of stories. Um, It's a, it's a common question, that's, that's true. Yeah, and so we can tell stories about us and how it relates and interconnects with other people. We make the story extraordinary. It's not the story that's extraordinary. It's what we do with it that makes it extraordinary. The Cinderella story isn't very extraordinary, but we make it extraordinary. Your little things like your habits and how you overcame certain things. In the ordinary, you find extraordinary principles. And I think that's what can relate to most people. So speakers who are out there and saying, well, they, we have that, that complex we all get, that imposter syndrome. Who am I? I, don't, I haven't done anything special. I'm not famous. I'm not a famous athlete. I'm not an, a famous anything. I didn't invent something or find something. I'm just a regular person making it day to day what's so special about me the fact that you're making it day to day is what's special about you <laughs> the fact that you know how to do that and now you have something of value to share with others who are going through life the same way you are you might have an ordinary story in your mind but the results you create are extraordinary and there's an extraordinary story in the ordinary life that you live And sometimes it just takes courage to look at it from a different point of view, putting a new lens on, so to speak, or changing the paradigm of your own life. All of us have something extraordinary because all of us are human beings. <laughs> And when you get that, then you go, wow, wait a minute. There is some extraordinary things in my life. Now you begin to share that. But you don't, again, I'll go right back to what I said. Sometimes it's, It's not the youth's personal story. It's a story that you have maybe heard and you can share and say, I heard this story when I was growing up, or I remember this story, or here's a story that was shared with me. I want to share it with you because it impacted me so much, and here's how it impacted me. 
And sometimes that lead in says, wow, let me, okay, I want to hear the story. Tell me the story. What impacted you so much? What was the story? Mm-hmm. And then you share the story. That to me is makes extraordinary stories. How these regular everyday children's stories or parables or fables impacted the life of the speaker. And then how they can share those principles with others who can then apply them to their life in one way or another. A good parable has protagonists. A good extraordinary story turns things upside down, disrupts the norm. It looks at things that are unordinary or unorthodox, and it makes us challenge our own paradigms and beliefs sometimes. That's what makes an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the, the fables, the um, ancient stories are, are powerful stories to use. Uh, because one, one of the reasons is because they already proven proven stories for for centuries. And they had if they if those stories have survived, we still are telling those stories is because they are they are super powerful. And definitely we we should use more of those. I agree one hundred percent. That's what I think about storytelling. It's mm-hmm. It's not forgetting the beautiful stories of our past and how they can still be applicable to today. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not just children who love to be entertained and love a good story. <laughs> we as adults, we as adults do it. That's why we binge out on Netflix, right? Yes. We out on social media stories. We look for stories because we're still drawn by a good story. We go to movies. We read books. Not often to gain information because we love a good story. One is, you know, in America, reality TV is there because sometimes reality stories are more unbelievable than the drama they create. <laughs> But we all love stories because they're impactful and we learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. One, um, one concept you have mentioned a bit earlier, and as I, ha- I heard it before but not 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 many times you mentioned the storytelling arc could you go a bit deeper into that so how you can create that storytelling arc in in your story in your personal story or any any new story sure. that you have you can share you want to share so the narrative arc is basically how a story flows And whether it's you're writing a book or a TV show or a good play or a novel, it's sometimes known as the dramatic arc or just an arc. Uh, it's the path that the story follows. It mm-hmm. provides basically the, the clear foundation for where the story goes. And there's a variety of narrative arcs. So you have the exposition of the starting, the introduction to the story, the rising action You have a climax of the story, the falling action, and the resolution. Those are kind of the key things of a good arc. So you want to open your story, give the background, set the story up. Who are the characters? What's happening? What period of time, et cetera? Then you have the rising action. You have your conflict, whether it might be of triggering events. Then it moves up to the climax or the main tension point of the story you know the main character must face reality or truth the main character has to make a decision or do something our protagonists are in there uh, and then you have the falling action so what happens 
as a result of these decisions that are made? Um, does our character make a good decision and life goes well and we live happily ever after? Or does the main character make a terrible decision? And then the resolution, the resolution, how your story ends. Is it the happy ending or is it a tragedy? Is it the Romeo and Juliet, everyone's dead? Um, or is it uh, the Cinderella, we all live happily ever after in our castle? So understanding that, and although it might not be as complex when you're telling a two-minute story mm-hmm. in a talk, the principles are still there. If you're telling your own story, well, when tell me about the background of the story. How did this come about? Then what was happening? What's the climax? What point did you make as the storyteller and how you had to make a decision of what to do next? And what was the result of your decision? The falling action. And finally, what happened at the end? What was the good outcome? Um, you can apply these same simple five principles of the narrative arc, whether it's in a long, drawn-out, big play or production, or a simple two-minute story about how you learned an important lesson about something in life. Um, you know, mm-hmm. things, and you can apply the same thing just by doing it. So understanding the narrative arc and the process really helps your stories come to life. And it helps draw the audience into, what did you do? Oh, no, what did you, what did you do? What happened next? Oh, I have yeah. to know the end of the story. Please tell me. <laughs> and, oh, I can't believe you did that. I probably would have done the same thing. But that's the narrative arc. And if you understand it, you can apply the simple mm-hmm. principles at any scale you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks a lot for, for explaining the narrative arc. Steve, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Yes, I think my favorite quotation comes from the Stoic philosopher Epictetus. Mm-hmm. Epictetus writes in the Enchiridion, he writes this, Men are not disturbed by things that happen, but rather by their view of those things. For example, death is not bad, hence it would have been so to Socrates. The opinion that death is bad, that is the terrible thing. That is one of my favorite quotes. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, <laughs> the opinion what you put on your mind when something happens. Is... Yeah, so it's not the thing that happens, mm-hmm. it's our view of that thing. So then, then, therefore, basically it's saying there is neither good nor bad until we label it. So whatever mm-hmm. takes place in our life or at that very moment, it, it's a thing that happened. Our response to that thing, or we choose now whether it's good or bad. It's our choice to say good or bad. Mm-hmm. And that to me is extremely powerful when we look at life. Yeah, it is. Thank you for sharing that. You had already mentioned a few books in, in explaining about storytelling, but could you pick and tell us a bit uh, more about one book that you would recommend us to read? Just a book I've recently read that I, I recommend, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Really enjoyed that book a lot, uh, just for mm-hmm. getting things done on a daily habit. It helped me a lot. Atomic Habits by James Clear was a powerful book. And I also really enjoy reading. Uh, old classics. So Marcus Aurelius' Meditations is one of my favorites. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, finally, you, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us doing regularly, a routine to shine? 
Yes. Keep, whether you do it electronically or old school style on paper in a file cabinet, keep a story file. Mm. Look at life and ask yourself daily, have one story a day going down and looking at life, everything you see in life. What's the story behind it? What's the life lesson? Being mindful of things happening around you. Maybe your dog does something interesting, the neighbors. Uh, maybe you see something in nature that is fascinating you. What's the story behind that? What do you see? What can you learn from that moment? And keep a daily story journal. Just things that happen along the way. Be helps you be mindful of of the many, many stories you come across every day and how you might be able to apply them. Something funny somebody said in the store, uh, something you watched or observed. Uh, become uh, mindful and become more observant of all the things around you and then make a story journal or uh, read one children's story a day or <laughs> find one or think about one. But I like the idea of just being observant of your natural settings and looking for stories, uh, analogies, antidotes within daily life. So you write or find one interesting story of each day that taught a lesson. But to do that, you have to be mindful of your daily activities. Yes. But it's a habit I like to have, uh, creating a story file. Yeah, I think that's excellent exercise. One, one story a day is, is a good exercise because it will force you to, to really... As you say, being mindful, pay attention to the things you are doing. And so you will remember those things that maybe today didn't mean too much, but m might become a great story with a great lesson in the future for you and for others. Yeah. And so you make a story file and then mm -hmm. you write down maybe some topics or key areas. What do they apply to? And then when you're writing a talk, you say, hey, wait a minute, I need a story about leadership. Let me go through mm -hmm. my story file of all the things marked leadership. Let me see if I can find a good story. I need a story about failing forward. Okay, let me go through my story file and find one I've marked failing forward. Yes, I, it's definitely super powerful. Thank you for reminding us that. That's a great exercise. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Steve. Uh, please tell, tell us how people would like to get in touch with you or find you more on the net. The best way to find me or to connect with me is just on LinkedIn. I don't do a lot of social media, so you can look me up uh, under my name, Steve D'Onofrio, on LinkedIn. That is probably the fastest way to get a hold of me. And I like, I love networking. I like just connecting with people, building relationships, seeing what I can do to add value to other people. Uh, so yeah, I love networking, and LinkedIn's a great way to leverage the power of our technology to network around the world. We all have great stories. We can share them with one another to build a better society. Excellent. Again, thanks a lot, Steve. It was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thank you very much, Astro. It's been such a pleasure to be here today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Do me a favor. Have you read my book, Rogue the Tech Stage? please go to Amazon.com and leave me a review. I appreciate all your support. Keep shining and the next time... <laughs>